Welcome to Beer and Business. You found the best podcast for entrepreneurs. We serve crafty business knowledge, comedy, and yes, beer. And now it's time for our hosts. If he were to pat you on the back, you'd list it on your resume. It's Jake Mullins. And his beer never gets warm. It just sits there, staying frosty, waiting for him. Mr. John Winnie. And if you spell his name in Scrabble, you automatically win. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Darren Flanagan. Folks, welcome back to Beer and Business. Today is Wednesday, April Fool's Day 2020. This is Jake. This is John. And this is Darren. And today on the show, Show Me the Money, part two. I'm super excited. We've got Karen Rands in the studio with us. She is a expert on angel investing. She runs an angel investing network. And we're going to talk today about how angel investors can be a great source of funding for small businesses. And uh, this this source of funding, Mr. Winnie, is widely misunderstood. Yeah. So this is going to be fun. Karen, thanks for coming into the studio today. We're excited to have you amid all this quarantine madness. <laughs> I'm very excited to be here. It's great to be out of the house. <laughs> I know, isn't it? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, before we get into the business of angel investing, um, let's do something else. Drink some beer, yes. which is pretty much all there is to do when you quarantine. Oh, thank goodness. We are drinking a really delicious stout today called Night Watcher. It's an extra stout from Lion Creek, the official yes. beer. This is the beer business studio. legit extra stout. It's this is really like, good. I mean, it, it it is so dark. It's almost like somebody poured paint in there, but I know yeah. it's beer. Very tasty. You know, when the sun can't, can't even see the glass, the, the lights or the glass. When, you, when the sun can't penetrate it, you know it's, it's real. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no translucence whatsoever. I mean, it stops all light. And it's mm. smooth, dark, rich, and sweet and delicious. Man, I love Great a good stout. stout. Ah. You can taste that chocolate coconut. Yes. Yeah. You definitely can. Oh, man. Line Creek Brewing, folks. Peachtree City, Georgia, the official beer of the Beer and Business Podcast. Uh, that right there is absolutely delicious. Thank you, Spence. Yes. Thank you, guys. We appreciate all your support. So support our official beer. Go to the brewery. You know, go to your local bottle shop, buy some or, you know, Kroger or whatever. And if you don't just, see it, I if mean. If you see the words Line Creek Brewing, just buy it. Please. <laughs> don't even just, hesitate. Exactly. Okay. So. There's a lot of great ideas and opportunities in the business world that need money to start. Really? Yes. I'm, you know. Oh, everybody kind of needs money. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen a money tree where you shake it and the cash comes out. Dude, you should come to my backyard sometime. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I'd cut that some bitch down. <laughs> I think it blew down in the storm. <laughs> yeah, <though. laughs> um, you get a, So let me give you a great, great example of this. Tesla, you know. Huge company now, really changing the world in terms of transportation. And Tesla was actually started by a round of Series A funding, um, which is not to get too technical, but it's a it's a way that you can you know source uh, private equity. And that that wasn't just somebody that came up with an idea and funded the start the starting of the business. Like they needed investors to get it off the ground. Mm -hmm. Tesla would be nothing. Tesla would be an idea if it wasn't for investment money. Right. And it's different than what we talked about in the first episode of this series, which is financing from the bank where you're putting money down and the bank is helping you fund something. This is actually getting people on board with an idea, investing money. It's a little bit different. And another great example of this, guys, 
The official beer, the Beer and Business Podcast, Line Creek Brewing, right. has a beautiful tap room. They've they've actually got wide scale distribution for being a relatively new brewery. Yep. And they were started with private investment. I think that they had what fifty investors at uh, somewhere, roughly somewhere between forty to fifty investors. <clears throat> One so, day we'll ask them. So, it, you know, different than somebody coming up with an idea and bankrolling it or bootstrapping it with all their own money or, right. or financing, putting their house up, whatever. This was a lot of investors coming together to make that work. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of businesses, large, medium, and even very small that need external money, external investors to believe in it, to get it off the ground. And... So I think this is going to be a really cool conversation because the first part of this series was about going to the bank, but this is about getting people to believe and, and getting them to, to lean into your idea, which is where Karen comes in. So Karen understands angel investing because she's been doing it for a long time. She leads an angel investing group. Angel investing isn't just waiting for the donation plate to go around at your church and then you take it <laughs> all the money you need out of the end there's going to be That's no well. angels in that transaction i'm not sorry yeah. not at all <laughs> wrong wrong way to interpret it then but i, I want to start this out karen because most people listening right now probably have no idea what an angel investor is or how all this works so can you first start by telling us what an angel investor is the most basic definition would be an angel investor is somebody who invests their own personal money into a company for a piece of that company, to own a piece of the company, to ride the the wave with that entrepreneur. That's very simple. I think a lot of people will think of angel investors as people that are extremely wealthy or um, are investing in like nonprofits or you know, things that align with their own personal belief system, something like that. I don't think people realize that it's really that simple, that it's just somebody with, you know, disposable income that wants to invest in, in an opportunity, really. Yes. So that's as, as, as simple as it is. In the, I mean, it's, you can get a whole lot more complicated as I know you, you get can. into the, la the, the, the layers <laughs> and stuff. But yes, that's the basic definition of an angel investor. They're writing checks out of their own checking account. Okay. And so how does this, I think the biggest thing that I want to do to help people understand what angel investing is, is I want to delineate the difference between angel investing and venture capital, because they're both opportunities for private equity to make its way into your business, but they're, they're really different. So can you help us understand the differences between the two? Sure. So venture capital is a fund that other investors have invested in and they have a principal that makes it or a committee depends on how it's set up, but they usually have uh, people that then make those investment decisions. The funds are significantly larger. So like, for example, the traditional number for an angel investor that the old definition of angel investors of Ford Jobs Act kind of stuff was about 25K, is what they, the average that they put into a company. Whereas a venture capital firm on average is going to put at least two and a half million into a company if you want to do it that kind of connection. So by, mm -hmm. by the very, that very difference, they invest at different stages and they invest at different valuations of what the company would be worth when it's still as a, as a private company. So I just want to make sure that I, I understand this. So if I, you know, hypothetically, that let's say I had $100,000 that I wanted to go invest somewhere outside of the publicly traded market. 
and I wanted to go find businesses to put this money in. I, I could do it one of two ways. I could be an angel investor where I've got control over where that money goes and I'm directly involved with that, that person or that business that I'm investing in. Or I could invest that 100000 into a fund that is a venture capital fund that there's people making those decisions for me. And I'm, you know, at an arm's length from all the stuff that's happening. Yes, except that 100000 is probably not enough to put into a venture fund. I got you. Yeah. Right. So, so but Yeah. Not not bala enough to get I'm, in there. Yet. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out. Start add, yeah. add another zero. No problem. So, yeah. Venture capital. Does the check need to clear? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just making sure. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, the uh, see, like a lot of times, um, states where their retirement funds or mm-hmm. insurance retirement funds or things they put money, you know lots of millions of dollars into venture capital funds. I uh, gotcha. And there's a whole history of them, the state making a decision in Georgia on whether to do that in order to attract venture capital here. So, um, okay. So the, the, the big difference between these two, um, well, I, let me, let me back up. An angel investor is not necessarily small scale, right? You could find an angel investor that would pump millions into a business. Sure. I call them super angels. Super angels. I like they have that. bigger wings. Huh. <laughs> and <Yeah>. larger checkbooks. <laughs> but the big difference for for those of us that are listening to the podcast and thinking about our own businesses is that if I were to, you know, try to attract an angel investor, I would have a one-to-one relationship potentially with the investor versus in a, a relationship with a fund. Okay, so n- not exactly. It depends on the type of company. Like, for, let's use Lion Creek as an example. Mm-hmm. Lion Creek being a more of a local type of a business that's not necessarily going to be so. Like the, the most angel investor groups expect a company to be generating about fifty million dollars in five years. Odds are Line Creek's not going to do that in that shorter period of time. There's a different motivation. I don't know. For, have you seen Mr. Well, Winnie Drink? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, their <laughs> distribution just, might get them there, but. And they're a fairly new sponsor the, to the podcast. So I mean, we, we could get them yeah, there. Yeah, so we will get, get, them. get them there. Yep. See, so there's, there's this, so there's that expectation when you syndicate and a lot of investors come together to put millions of dollars into a company and it's all about sort of the exit where they're going to go. Sure. And so, and so those, and, and most angel investors that are what I call business angels, okay. Or objective angels, meaning that they, they mm-hmm. are not subjective. Okay. So objective angels that are in the business of investing, they plan to invest in at least four companies in a year. Right. So that's why they spread it out because they have to diversify their portfolio. Right. That's a huge part of it. Okay. And so then, it all changed with the Jobs Act and crowdfunding, getting equity-based crowdfunding. So now you could put $1,000 into a company. You're not going to get as big a return because it's all relative. Right. But mm-hmm. everybody can play in that wealth creation strategy of those entrepreneurs but these days. That's not an angel investor. I call it an angel investor. They're so writing it out of a, their check. $1,000 as an angel investor. So their price point, I'm trying to figure out dollar amounts. So. There's well, I think no the big minimum thing is, for an angel investor versus a VC. That's there's probably a, a larger minimum investment. Well, I think not to confuse anybody, yeah. angel investment is direct investment from the investor. They're cutting a check, whereas the VC is a fund 
You're the, cutting a check fund, to the, as an individual, you're cutting a check to the fund. And then the fund is going out making the decisions where they're investing right. that money. Gotcha. Right. So that's the big delineation. Dollar amounts. You said generally it's higher with VCs versus, but the, the dollar amount I think is irrelevant, right? Just when we're coming to trying to define the difference between angel investor versus a VC. Okay, so there is the personal She's relationship. Like, that was a nice way of saying no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank the, you. The, and, and the reason why we kind of got they went down that path was this personally knowing them, right? So when you're local or the, and your very first amount of money, so is sure. is before you get to your Series A, they call it a friends and family round. Mm -hmm. Those are people that you know, mm -hmm. and before the Jobs Act, the definition that. The SEC required, and the reason why broker-dealers don't really do a lot of that capital raise is that you had to have, know, you had to have a prior relationship with your investor. And, oh, okay. And then they, because it was prohibited. It was prohibited to general solicit to strangers, and that all changed with the Jobs Act, and it set up all these different other ways that other people can play to create wealth so that not all that wealth of entrepreneurism is going just to the few that are part of these groups that were the big angels that had been doing it for 20 years that created the Microsofts and the Ebays and the Amazons and the Teslas and the, all these other companies. It was angel investors that invested them. And then after the angel investors, VCs come then, into the yeah, next round. I got you. That makes sense. So you can be a personal investor. I mean, if I'm talking to you and I didn't know you, if we just went to like lunch and a picnic or a stroll afterwards or dinner and a movie, then we had a personal connection and it's okay with the SEC. Right. And then even they got a pass with events. Like when I used to run my angel investor um, organization here and, and did events here in, in Georgia and Atlanta um, and like way Atlanta technology angels work and a lot of these different angel groups, companies go through a screening process. They stand up and pitch to these investors and then those um, and that establishes the connection because they came through. They got like an exception to that because they, they don't know all the people in the room at that time. Mm -hmm. But that was the SEC said that's fine. Right. It was just and so that was how you establish that relationship. And then, you know, now, now that's a different level of criteria though, which we'll, I'm sure we can talk about in a little bit, but it is, is when you're dealing with crowdfunding, because odds are you're not going to lay eyeballs on those investors, right? Absolutely. Okay. So I want to rewind a little bit because the focus today is to, to talk about angel investing. And I want to know a little bit about your story and how you got involved in this whole angel investing thing, because I mean, admittedly, even I don't understand much about this at all. By the look on his face, it's quite obvious, folks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and by my line of questioning, you've probably already figured this out that I don't know squat about it. So how did, how did you get involved in all this? Okay, so I was with IBM. Um, and my last job within IBM was called the Complex Opportunity Business Manager. <laughs> What is that? What? That's a fairly Say simple that title. Yeah, COBMs. <laughs> Only in corporate America could you yeah. come up with a title that complicated. Yeah. You know how many people? Even we've... the name of the title has complex in it. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a lot of people on that have worked for IBM. Yeah. Well, it's it was it really is that are huge, now, huge company. <laughs> yeah. And so my job was She's still to, wearing blue today, by the way. I am. I am IBM blue. Uh, my job today, my job then <laughs> was to help 
these up and coming entrepreneurs that were transitioning from traditional business of a retail to what we call back then we call click and mortar because they were starting to do online stores oh, and click and mortar. And then we had the idea of what's now cloud computing used to be um, ASP application solution providers because mm-hmm. they were trying to do something that was not just a PC based. And then there was all this stuff with wireless was just kind of coming out. And so like I would work on a project where they were trying to put those photo booths in the middle of a mall and not have to run cables to it. They wanted to do it all wireless to change the pictures and stuff like that and go to the internet for that. And so this was my world of pulling the resources together to validate the business model so that they could get go out and get at that time, I didn't even know what angel investors were, venture capital money to come back and then spend the money with IBM because IBM realized they had missed out on the Amazons and the Ebays and all these guys because once they standardized on computers, they often stayed with that brand. So so I think that's actually smart because IBM was wise enough to know that the the best ideas weren't going to come from within their own company. So they were out there looking at- They were- yeah, they're out there looking at entrepreneurs and small opportunities and figuring out how do you incubate that and make them a sticky customer for life, I guess, right? Right. And right. in college, you had an IBM yeah. laptop or had an IBM computer. I was like, what? Really? But anyway, here's the question I have for you. You just said IBM would go out and get venture capitalists. No, IBM would validate it. So then they could validate. turn around and go and say, hey, look, IBM's our partner. And they okay. validated our technology solution. They've gotcha. done this stuff. So we had, we had, so I would get the services people to volunteer their time. I would get the, um, some t- in some cases, IBM's venture fund to provide something for them. And so that was kind of my world, right? And solving problems. So you guys were and like so- the mafia. No, IBM, <laughs> IBM was vouching. But not what I for, was thinking. Well, they were, they were vouching for their customer. They're like, hey, Jake, he's got a great idea. You guys, yeah, it's good enough. You know, you got a problem? It, no, but he's a good guy. I'm vouching for him. I got so, a duffel bag full of money for him. <laughs> so you should invest your money in his business, and we're going to take care of him on the technical side, right. the IT side. Right. Yeah. No? Well, yeah, in a, in a theory, you know, that's how it In a worked. non-mafia kind of way, yeah. for God's sake. I mean, there was one guy, he was starting up the first um, outsourced uh, tele- telehealth center to India and was getting money for that, you know, and doing the, they were doing transcription services and stuff. This is, this is, so this is 1999, okay? Sure. And, um, and so I had this customer of mine that had kind of followed me through IBM and my various jobs there mm-hmm. that had invented this software. IBM had given him a lot of resources and his software was this this really cool, and this is, is relevant for a whole, where we're going to go mm-hmm. on where, what it does it take to qualify for, for angel investor or venture capital. So this software um, would take all your digital imaging of, of MRIs and x-rays and CAT scans and put it together into one image that you could use based on the density of matter would be 3D and you could separate the elements of the body out of it. So like, for example, if you were um, having, if somebody had a stroke, they would be able to isolate the blood out of there to know whether it was a blockage or a hemorrhage and whether they could deliver this drug TPA that would reverse the effects of a stroke if it was a blockage. But if it's a hemorrhage, it 
the person died. Is he so still a lot looking of t- for investors. Yeah, he is actually because he was not a good CEO. That was one of my big lessons that I learned. Oh so I God. jumped ship from IBM to go help him go to market and go get money because this was going to change the world, save lives, right? And um, and so I. I, and it was, I wanted to be in that parade. I saw all this dot com stuff. And so I always joke about that the parade that I was in, that I didn't realize when I was getting in the dot com parade, was actually the Animal House parade going down the dead end alley into the. <laughs> hey guys, the party's almost over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just got my first beer. Yeah. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, oh. Dang, that was the parade Whoops. I got into. Because <laughs> uh, so I started raising money for him and going out meeting VCs and all these people and stuff in in 2000, and it just dot com bomb right. And so oh, yeah. I discovered the network of business and angels investors at that time. And um, the guy that had started it in '94 wanted to kind of retire. And so he was looking for somebody to take it over and he started mentoring me, which I ultimately did in 2005. And so I learned a lot about like this world of angel investors. I went to the first meeting to see what is this about? And I also had kind of been work, started working for this pseudo VC, you know, to find deals. And so I discovered this world of people writing checks out of their checking account. And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, well, how'd you learn how to do this? And it was fascinating. Most of them said they learned by losing. So that was really horrible. And <laughs> actually, that's the best, that's the best way to learn. Yeah. yeah. Take a pen and a piece of paper. And all of a sudden you start writing numbers and you say, pay to the order of, and you fill in the blank. That's yeah. Until you run out of money. And then you say, geez, I'm not doing that again. That's why I wrote the book. <laughs> so, uh, wow. Okay. So you, you went through this, this process of mentoring and learning you. So you kind of glossed over a little bit, but the, the network of angel investing. So you were, you were going through this mentoring process where you were learning the ropes and then you took it over in 2005, right? right. What is this network of angel investing? Well, so the, that one was called the Network of Business Angels and Investors, NBA and I. Just like I said. For short. <laughs> but it changed kinda. names. <laughs> when it first got started, it was six guys around a table at IHOP or something, right? Mm. And they decided they wanted to start pooling their money to make investments. That's where a lot of angel investor networks start. And then it sure. just grew over time to about 40 or 50 people in it. And it was one of those where people stand up and pitch. Right. And, um, and then they would make, we would, in that particular case, they would have a deal champion mm-hmm. that would help do the due diligence and pull the people together to pull their money and make the investment. And on average, you go, you know, 100 grand might be four guys invested, or in some cases, some of the companies that when I was working with it, we would put like $2 million into a company. We'd have, you know, 20 people putting more than 25K into a deal. So, so a network, an angel investing network is essentially a group of people that go out and find these business opportunities and then put them together with, in this case, a group of like 40 or 50 angel investors, right? So it's kind of the, is it the connective tissue between business opportunity and people that are looking to invest their own money? Is that what it is? So they'll source deals. There's an, or an application called um, Gust. Okay. Gust. What stands for? Well, it used to be called AngelSoft, and I think they got they got told they couldn't do that anymore because of the Angel toilet Soft, paper. The toilet paper. Yeah. So they call it Gust. <laughs> so, so Gust is an acronym. 
I don't. You Every know, time I, don't I know. think about investing, I run straight for the toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Gust is another version, another way to say it. it's just full of hot air, folks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's gonna blow go. smoke up your ass. And, and, and a lot of them do. Yeah. Totally, a lot of them totally do do that oh, <laughs> too. Bet. Time for a cheers, huh? Yeah, <laughs> here's the gusting. Oh my so God! It was written by the guy that started the New York Angels, the uh, David Rose, and he started it as a tool for angel investors to be able to take applications, upload business plans, have a common form of information, and then be able to screen it. So companies gotcha. could go to something like that. So <laughs> most otherwise, before that was available. Different people within the organization would get business plans or they would just email it to whoever the coordinator was. If you had a website or they knew about it, you know, there was lists created Forbes, my group, I rebuilt it and it got on Forbes top 50 list. So my domain was on there. My email was on there. I would get, you know, things from people that would be submitting it. You know, we had an application on our own website that people went through to apply. And then you decide, do they have the fundamentals to be worthy of pitching to you. Mm -hmm. And so some organizations do it as committee. They have volunteers and then people, the members, they pay a lot of them. Like in um, uh, some organization will charge $1,000 a year. Some will charge $10,000 a year to be a member of the organization of the angel group. And then they have to have a commitment that they're going to invest X amount of dollars that year. And uh, so, you know, it, they're different, but there's usually always a review process where they source is either through an app like that or individuals, because people know that they're angel investors, word of mouth, and they'll send them their business plan. They'll like it or their accountant or lawyer or somebody will tell them about this deal. Their banker will say, hey, he look at this deal. We can't give him a loan, but, you know. So, so, your, so your role as a network is to obviously standardize and operationalize how all these things, you know, get presented to the investors, but also is part of your role to go out and find the investment opportunities. I never really had to do that. Or they just, just come to you. Yeah, they would. But just you're the come. conduit, right? Right. I was the conduit for that. And then the way it's it's different now because you know it's a different world than it was in 1999. So it it sourced deals a little bit differently than. So if I was out looking for an angel investor and I wanted to get some money, I'm not going to go straight to those angel investors. I'm going to go to a network that's going to help standardize that application process and put me in front of those potential investors. Yeah, for what that investment group does. So like different groups is... I mean, according to Angel Capital Association, Association, there's over 200 angel groups in in so is that, in, wow. in, is that where in America. Would, there's a lot is of money out there. Go? Yeah. Then, like, if I if I've got a business idea, John has a great one. I do the R and D. <laughs> Relaxing and drinking. Yeah, we're we're launching that. Not too okay. much return on investment for that one, though. I'm not sure. It's a zero <laughs> revenue model. It's perfect. You just sit around, drink, and go out of business in a couple of years. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, but people just give you money. I mean, get <laughs> those investors. We're just testing just beer. They're not sugar daddies. How many, how many episodes? Investors are not sugar daddies. Oh well, shit. <laughs> I guess so, this, this is over. I'm done. I mean, Gosh. if I'm going out there, if it's I over said, before it started. I'm not <laughs> I'm not big enough to go to a VC. Uh, the bank doesn't want me, Jake. They walked him out of the back door, they, yeah, right they out did. the front door. So I've got the angel investors. How do I find the, is that a national organization? Do I just Google angel investors and, you know, roll the dice and hope I find one that wants me for my business? 
Okay, so what it, you just said there's like a network. Yeah, there. so there's a the Angel Capital Association is the official kind of like, like chamber of commerce, yeah, so okay. the trade organization for angel groups, right? Okay. Right. They get access to education. They have conferences on a regular basis. They charge they you get, money. They charge you money. <laughs> you got to know that you go through the initiation <laughs> process. Yeah. There's, there's a, a whole ha- hazing. Hazing. Yeah. yeah. There's a secret handshake and all yeah. that stuff. So they well, it's have, usually like a couple of hundreds slip yeah, between names yeah, exactly. or something. <laughs> so, so that's one place to start. And then, you know, okay. cause then you got, they have them listed by state. Okay. And then you would Google your state because you want to start local to start with. Yeah. For the most part. And then you would also, if you have a unique type of a business, because like, for example, majority of investments of out of these angel groups of those kinds of people in the business of investing are going to be software and life sciences. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some kind of tech. So computer consumer products are difficult to get financed through angel investing under, under the traditional angel groups, right? It's also mm-hmm. primarily dominated by white males. And so in some cases, women find it a hard time raising capital through a lot of those angel groups. And now there are specialized women angel groups that invest in women businesses. You know, I've always said green is green. Right. If you got a good business right. opportunity, you know, the people are going to invest mm-hmm. no matter what your race is or exactly. whatever, right? But there is a bias, you know what I mean? There's going to be a bias in, in general life. And I realized that in one of my groups when this angel, this lady presented her business opportunity and it was up and making money. It was great. And it was a back before we had um, chicken salad chick. Yeah. Oops. Mm. Yeah. Back before I was looking that one up to put in my next book to see like how they got their money and scaling and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But I couldn't find their source stuff. Anyhow, so this lady had this business where it was um, back before we had mobile websites. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was taking companies Mm -hmm. like Macy's and making their traditional website mobile friendly friendly. Mm. and had this conversion tool that they ran it through when people would look for it on their cell phones and stuff. And this was, you know, brand spanking new. She, her business was advertising in Madison on Madison Avenue. And so she kind of had relationships with all these people and understood this. And so she stood up there and she said, and and I was like, wow, this is going to be amazing. It's not there. This is a stuff, you know, I mean, eventually people will get there. Yeah. So, People were, when I pulled the forms, because we would always do a format where level, level of interest so we could help with the follow-up, and there wasn't a lot of, of, of interest. And so I asked one of the investors why. And they said, well, she, um, she underestimates the size of her market, and therefore she's not the right person to lead that opportunity. She underestimated? Ooh. And she was trying to be conservative. She, I asked her about it afterwards. She goes, well, you know, whatever. I can't even remember now what it was, but it was like, oh, I, you know, it's a $50 million market and it will be a $10 million company or whatever it was. Right. It's really a $5 billion market and you're going to be a $500 million company. And, and, and it had it been, I think had it been a man, they would have said, oh, he needs some coaching, but this is a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. Let's spend some time. Right. right. So does that so, kind of misogyny still exist in this world or? Yeah. She's, she's shaking her, her head. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, yes. It does. It's you, ridiculous. It, you freaking idiots. You don't, <laughs> yeah. you don't have to answer this question, but if you were to say percentage of male to female angel investors. It's about 3% women. 3%. Wow. 
But the but there are opportunities for yeah. women based angel groups. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one, uh, and so like there's an organization here in in Atlanta called Launchpad Two X. Okay, and Bernie, he used to run um, the Angel Cap Angel Atlanta Technology Angels. She was president of that for a while. Bernie Dixon. She started this up specifically for women businesses. Does a lot of consumer product stuff, and she coaches them. And syndicates to get them capital, some, not, not everybody, because sure. she does a, a program every year where like 20 companies come through. But it's amazing. She's done her stats that the companies that have gone through her program and re- received their capital are outperforming the traditional um, angel investor companies. You can say it, the, la- boys. the boys. The boys. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and the jobs that they've created <laughs> and everything is really quite fascinating. It's not know. a boys club and you, you don't. You're not excluded from becoming or joining an angel investment group based on whether you're male or oh, female. Oh, absolutely not. If you've got the money and you've got the the chutzpah to go out there and you know take the risk with everyone else, green is green, as you've said before. Doesn't matter if you're male yeah. or female. So I just want to make sure. Yeah, make and sure I think well, it's got also that distinction. this is an Augusta. No, it's also because it's yeah. also because you have to think about it. It's really it's really an evolution. Sure. So like so there's actually probably only fifteen percent <laughs> there's only about fifteen percent of the companies that would be considered that type of angel investment type of a company sure. that are women-owned companies. Okay. okay? Yeah. See, so there's not that many that are tech or that kind of stuff that are women-owned own companies because women that are, there's now, crowdfunding has changed all that. More women are raising capital through the crowdfunding platforms, which is interesting to know because you don't necessarily know that they're a woman organization, but they're mm-hmm. very good at telling stories, right? And then crowdfunding, success in crowdfunding is being able to tell a story. And so yeah. there's a, um, but so there, but it's changing because you think about it, look at all the big, so angel investing really as a whole thing that people started really thinking was kind of in the eighties when you had yeah. the Amazons and the eBay and then when Microsoft came out and Apple came out on that kind of stuff, right? So Silicon Valley being the heartbeat of this, most of the pe- companies that ever got exits, IPOs, sure. were male-led companies. And so it just naturally became male Male people made the money to start starting VC right. for things, to start doing that. And, and we have a lot more women getting into it and a lot more women that are part of the C-level that are that are reaping the benefits of these companies sure. and now going IPOs. Right. So, so we're... 10 years from now, I don't know that it'll be 50-50, but there'll be significantly more women investors. Sure. And it, right. and I said 3%. It, it's probably higher now that I think about Golden Seeds as a national. They got like five different chapters around yeah. the U.S. And so there's, you know, there's maybe maybe 10% of all of them might so, be, but it's still very small. So, you know, call out to all my sugar mamas out there. If you got money to spend, become an angel investor. Help us right. change this trend. No, that that's that's the great. Should I not call him Sugar Mamas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mister Winnie's Jake, looking at me with the no. stink eye. <laughs> that's the Jake. That's that's the great thing about the free market. Yes, right. Eventually, like she said, green is green. Yeah, people are going to figure it out that well, that, that stuff I mean, is irrelevant. It's all about it's the business. It's a good opportunity. It's a good opportunity. Sarah Lafleur went through that with uh, MM. I know I'm going to screw it up. MM Lafleur or whatever online clothing company. And she had the same thing. She was trying to go through her capital, you know, raising funds. And she was talking to men and a lot of them didn't understand it because it is a business 
women's line of clothing. Sure. Was. Yeah. And same thing. And flat out, some were like, I have no idea. I don't, I have no clue. Go talk to my wife. She might get it. And even the wives didn't get it. It's like business well, attire for women that's affordable. Spanx. So, yeah. 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 Sarah Blakely, Sarah, Sarah Blakely. exact example of that, right? Huge. You know, and it wasn't the guy that she went to that had the plant that she was going to do, right? She just wanted to get a special deal so she could get again. <laughs> she no. so he was I sitting at his table with his daughters and his wife at dinner, and said, "Hey, I had this lady come and give me this, you know, idea." And I, I can't even imagine why people would want it, and he described it, and they all were like, "We want it, we want it," and he was like. All right, I'll work a deal with her. And he gave her a line of credit to get her first so, thing nice. going, right? Yeah. So, yeah. As so I, I want to, let's switch gears. I want to, I mean, obviously this is, as Mr. Winnie said, this issue will correct itself over time. It absolutely will. Free market will will make sure of that. But what I want to do is I want to kind of step back. So Darren asked a question about, you know, a business, you know, that, that wasn't eligible for, you know, getting a loan, doesn't need as much money as a VC or doesn't qualify for that. If I have a business or business opportunity, what would I need to qualify for angel investing? Is there like a a minimum threshold or is it just how I present my opportunity? Like how would I know if I've got something worthy of going in front of an angel investing group? Well, you build it with a, yeah, uh, (laughs) you build it with um, the end in mind, right? So your first step is to sort of is this a business that can generate fifty million dollars in five years? So that's that's mm-hmm. one of your keys as an angel for an angel group. Angel group, okay. Like I have this in five years. There's a company in Noonan that I'm talking with. I had worked with her a while back to try to get her together, and I recently just reached out to her, and she's doing less than it's a, a skincare products company. She's doing less than a million dollars in revenue. She wants to go get some angel investors. Because she's got this thing I was talking to her about, and I said, and I didn't know how much how much we we're how much she was doing at that time when we had this conversation a couple of days ago, and um, and I said, well, you have to come up with a plan that says, in your case, at least you're going to do you're going to you're going to go from half a million or whatever to at least five million in two years. Right. So you can show a trajectory and you can structure it. Nowadays, you can, there's so much you can do, but you can structure it in such a way that people, investors can get a return. It doesn't have to be the 50 million in, if they structure it properly. Right. Mm-hmm. But you've got to have a vision of where you can be in a period of time. And the angel groups, just like with the VCs, because they get so, they get hit with so much stuff, they have lots of options. Sure, so why would they invest in something that's only going to do? $5 million versus $50 million. The expectation is, even though they know that only that, that most of the 10 companies that they invest in are not going to make the money. They want the, at least the business plan to say that they're going to make that money. Even sure. though there's all kinds of things that can go wrong with it, right? So that's the first thing. You have to have a vision of a big business, a bigger business, because so, that's the kind of business that gets bought where there's an exit. So let me stop you there. So when you say 50 million, is that 50 million in revenue? Or is that 50 million in EBITDA? What is that? That would be wet revenue. Revenue. Okay. So you got to have a plan to get to 50 million in revenue in I can a period of time. Did you, just Which say is, e- did you just say EBITDA? EBITDA. EBITDA. What is that? Is that even a word? It, it is. is. It's it's a, it's a, nobody knows what that means. It's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and ah, amortization. You weren't here for that episode that we... Yeah, well, somebody's got to actually work. E- EBITDA. Yeah. Thank you for but, keeping the economy moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, hold so, on really quick, really quick. It is actually sunny 
and beautiful outside. It, it and, is. And Mr. Winnie is here with us. I know. It's, there's yeah. a running oh joke gosh. that when Mr. Winnie is off work, that the weather is terrible. Raining. But for Holy the past shit. three months, it's been. He was off yesterday. We had tornadoes and down. <laughs> <laughs> Something is, oh, they're really, I guess God's feeling sorry for you. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. (laughs) All right. So going back to my question. So 50 million in revenue, you got to have a plan to get there. And and how, how long is that? Five years? Is that 10 years? Five years. They want you to have a strategy. So, so it's all, I call it sometimes it's a um, beauty contest, Mm -hmm. right? Because these angel groups, they're going to have five companies that come up and pitch to them on this monthly basis. Like. You know, most of the the official angel groups meet on a monthly basis. There's five companies and then they're picking which one they think is going to make them the most money. That's the bottom line. Which one do they think if I put 25K, 50K into this, which one's going to give me 500K? Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's my return years. on investment. Well, and so they want to see, well, be, the, the 50 million, you don't know what's going to happen after five years. Five is five years is because that's as far as you could possibly forecast. Right. Sure. But there's a trajectory that goes with okay. that on how do you capture your market? How do you convert your customers? How sure. do you do all that stuff and how do you scale? And so they, they want to know that even though they also know so the so there's a rule of thumb within the VC world. It kind of started by VCs, and it went and angels have adopted it. Out of ten companies that you invest in, three are going to lose all your money. Three are going to be base hits. You're going to get your money back with some change, and then three are going to do pretty good. They're going to be your doubles and your triples, so you might get three times your money. And then one's going to hit it out of the park where you're going to get way more than your money. It's going to make up for all the other ones, right? Monte Carlo. But they can't pick which one it is. Otherwise, they'd all invest in the one that's going to hit it out of the park. Of course, yeah. So all the plans have to act like they're going to hit it out of the park. So the company. So then they they the believability comes in. Do they trust that entrepreneur to? actually be able to execute on that plan. Do they know enough about their marketplace? Do they enough know enough about how they're going to generate money and know enough about business that they can, that they have a reasonable belief that they can achieve that? Sure. So when people are pitching you, do you use the phrase, you could put lipstick on a pig <laughs> at all with their pitches? No. Speaking I, of misogyny, I, I folks, it's, <laughs> it's Darren Flanagan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, forget that. You don't have to answer that. I have so kind great. of sort of not quite those terms when I'm advising companies on what are they going to do to raise capital. Well, let's not go there right now. Yeah. We want to, you're an angel investor, so that means you have to be sweet and nice. Let's not go with your is phrases that, right now. Is that what now. it means? No, not at all. These guys no, sound cutthroat. No. They, they want to make their money back. Well, which, that's why they call them sharks. They're sharks. Yes, the shark so tank. That's what, yeah, that's the first thing I thought now, when I I have a question this. for oh, you. Yeah. If I'm oh, Jesus. pitching <laughs> my idea to you guys, and I've got a group, supposedly great idea, and, but Darren you're Flanagan going podcast. to, <laughs> you're going to, you guys are going to invest in my business. Do I have to back this with my personal assets at all? No, that would be a loan. Okay. You're so, backing it with the equity in your company. The equity. So you're buying, you've heard the term silent partner. So when sure. I when I talk to people, because you're so right at the very beginning when you said so many people don't know about angel investing, right. I learned that the hard way thinking everybody will want my book, but- no, they. I, if I could rename <laughs> my book instead of Inside Secrets to Angel Investing, how to make money when you invest in a private company before they get bought and sold. But that's a really long title. <laughs> and this is like an easy, Way too long. Yeah. Yeah. So Just call it Get Rich. What I'm rich. saying is if, if you guys invest in my business, you, you like my pitch, you believe in my business and where it's going to go, and it goes belly up. Yeah, you lost. 
Who right. lost? The angel everybody. of everybody lost. So as me for my business, I don't owe you anything at that point. We now, all lost together. Well, you lost your money, but what a lot of times, so there's a document that most angel investors that are doing these angel groups, there'll be a private placement memorandum or a term sheet. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in that there'll be, be conditions. And one of the conditions that angel investors will do is that they own the IP. And then they'll go yeah. sell the IP. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they'll try to get some kind of return on an IP being intellectual property. And so they'll get they'll get some kind of return, something that they might be able to do something so with. Hopefully you have somebody in your group that understands what that IP is and who can go and try to make money off of that, off of the loss. Right. So that's the other thing that angel investors, particularly So you're these mitigating group, your, your, yeah. They only invest in things that they understand. Right. Okay. So you'll have one. So they, when the benefit of being in a group as an angel investor or pitching to a group, okay, this is, is that out of, out of the audience of 40 people that might be there, there's going to be some number of them that are going to get what it is that you're doing. And then there'll be some number of other investors that say, well, if Joe gets it, then I'm going to invest okay. in whatever Joe invests in or as part of the group. <laughs> right. And then there's, there's, there's also not to complicate stuff, but there's angel funds different from venture funds where the, your hundred grand would be well appreciated and they do smaller investments and they usually finish out around a series a round. Okay. Like in the Tesla example, sure, he led the round, right? Mm-hmm. He led the round. That means that he, what is the 7 million, they was the 7 million, I think it was the series A. So he probably put a couple million in and then other people came and put other angel groups or angel yeah. funds finished that round. Yeah. He was the biggest investor. Chump change. Yeah. yeah. Seven I find that hilarious that, you know, talking about how these investors understand, you know, but they're in tech. Well, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So as you can see here, I've got this middleware layer application that's going to reduce the data collisions between SQL databases <laughs> and these databases over here. We're going to have oh, a yeah, compression this ratio great. of Frank, what the fuck is he talking about? Right. Oh, <laughs> so, I have no idea. Yeah. Now, I, I have another question. You don't he have to answer smart. this either. Uh-huh. Give him okay. some money. But I used to be in auto financing. Okay. And... This is way back when, and there were a couple particular cars out, like the uh, Isuzu Rodeo, whatever that, Isuzu, Isuzu working Rodeo. rodeo. You worked okay. in and the Honda Pilot, they were the, the same Honda truck. Pilot. And what it was See? is, it, and this right was, this was high risk financing for car dealerships. We would take, this was called like C&D grade paper that we were looking at. You work at a title pond place or something? It was, <laughs> it was like a plan, right? You were doing the floor plan? Well, we were doing the floor plan for funding, but we we still took care of regular credited people. But sometimes we didn't really care about the customer as we were told by the higher ups. We only give a crap about the vehicle. So if they defaulted on their loan, it didn't matter. We were going to make our money back because sure. that car held its value. It didn't sure. depreciate that way. Do you guys ever have somebody pitch you that's like, they really don't know what the hell they're doing, but they've got a great idea. I hope they go belly up because we could make a shitload of money. That's the sharks. Our- Okay. So they are out there. Oh yeah. I've they, seen companies. They want you to fail because they know they can make money off of your idea. They, they, they're, I've seen companies that have had that happen to them because they well, didn't really understand what, what the, the language they didn't get. They were so hungry for the money. They were willing to take the money from anywhere they could get it. Well, a lot of founders have great ideas, but they're terrible business owners. 
or terrible CEOs. Right. So in a lot of cases, you know, if you can't get the business off the ground and you fail and now me as an angel investor, I've taken that IP and I go run it or I go install a CEO and I own it a hundred percent. Right. I could make, you know, a hundred X my investment versus 10. Because right. an angel investor, yeah. you guys are hands off. You're not involved in the business and trying to help them succeed. You're like, we gave you the money. We trust you. Just bring us back our return. There's a, well, mm-hmm. that depends. depends. <laughs> they can take Our, a seat uh, on the board. Yes. Most often, which I've done. most often, if, so when you're building a board as a startup, you, when you have an angel group, they will always require one or two seats, depending on the volume of their thing. But it's all relative yeah. to how much you invest so you in the company. You be an LLC at that point. You've got to convert to... No, you can still be an LLC. Most time people LLC because the way the losses are handled, they'd rather do that than um, have the losses the pass part. through. Okay. And then um, and then with a, a C-Corp, they never S-Corps, Yeah. you know, for the most part. So it's LLC or, S- or C-Corp, no yep. S-Corps. Yep. 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 Wow. And, um, and so that's, uh, so, so there's a thing that I call an exec with a check. And so this is where you get the, and there's, there used to be an organization here in Atlanta that was, uh, it's called founders, something founders. Anyway, they were, they were, they try to marry up the guy with the idea with the guy with the money. So sometimes sure. when people have exited out of um, companies or they just got a golden parachute from their company and they want to experience being an entrepreneur. So what they'll want to do is go and be an exec with a check. So that means that they could come in there and they could put $300,000 into a company, not take a salary for six months or a year. So otherwise they're just paying themselves. Right. right. And they work because they got enough money that they don't need the, the income from the company. And then they get to, um, and they'll work themselves out of the job. So they'll come in as the CEO, let the founder be the CTO or be this person that they've got special skills at, and they'll help run the organization and the operation side and get it off the ground, go get the rest of the money that they need because they got the connections and with them and that leadership role, they might qualify for other money. And then they work themselves out till they hire somebody into that position. And then they go off and do, do it again. So there's a number yeah. of companies that I know there, one of the guys that used to be in my angel group was the guy that um, invented for UPS um, their logistics system. Oh, that's, Kind of a big deal. That is UPS logistics. Yeah, oh, I invented that, that UPS's logistics. The, the software, yeah. Like, how do you track your trucks and Please schedule them and all that kind of stuff? Sure, he was. He was very rich, but he was like your your Sam Walton. He had dial up when everything was going to like uh, you oh, know. Geez. He drove an old truck, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, he was like classic, like that guy driving right? around an old Ford Tempo. Yeah, and he drives. He was a. He would be the CFO for startups. So every startup that he invested in and he would yeah. put between 50 and a hundred thousand in them. And he would be, he would work like a day or two days a week, kind of man in the money. Right? Right, right. But you know, sure. and part of it was, and then until he found a company that he really, really liked. And then he went full time in that company to do that. And I've, a, a number of my investors that were in my group would be looking for those kinds of opportunities that they could mm. build their next, be active in it. So those are active angels versus passive angels. Yeah, it makes sense. So I want to go back to something. You you talked earlier, and I'm just going to use this as an example, I think, to help people connect with this. You talked earlier about a, a company in Noonan that's, um, you know, got skincare products. Yeah. 
So if I was that company that, or even idea that was looking for angel investing, are there people that can help me with my pitch? You know, cause like if I had a business and I was growing it and I believed like I'm there, I, I can make this a $50 million company or I can make this a $500 million company, but I have no idea how to talk to an angel investor. Is there somebody that can help? Is that part of the network or is there somebody outside of the network that can help me pull that together? That's me. That's you? <laughs> oh, well, That's one of the things that. I do. <laughs> Soft so, pitch. Yeah. When I was running my angel group and doing the pitch dinners and stuff on a regular basis, we um, that was part of what we did. We wouldn't let anybody get up before their time, right? It was like gotcha. you, because otherwise you were just waiting, because then you board a bridge. If you get up there... And you, you know, blow it. Sure. And, and I actually have a client that I've been working with now that he has blown it twice. Uh, and it was the first time they did it. And here's like this thing that I've been doing this for companies forever. And the first time he gets up there, one, he decided that he thought he should stay up till four in the morning practicing his pitch. And then right before he starts <laughs> changing his pitch. And so, and he didn't follow any of my instructions, but. You know, anyway, that's a whole other story. But there's just like, he didn't, he didn't, he wrote it out. He like 10 point on a eight and a half by 11 thing that he's trying to read in the dark. It was oh, just, it was abysmal. It was abysmal. It was basic stuff that, you know, anyhow, there's. Um, he needs some, to listen to our episode on public speaking. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So there is a. She'll buy you a beer. So, th but there are people, a lot of the angel groups will say, you know, help you there's okay the the biggest place that you can get that kind of help right now are incubators and accelerators and there's 30 some odd of them around Atlanta and so the incubators and accelerators will have these sessions where they they do pr pitch practice and they'll work on your business plan and and then there you've got the small business development associations at, at almost every college campus has these or these these teams of people that will help you get your business plan and your financials together sure Right. See, so there's there's a lot of help out there that's free help. We have a presentation practice that happens here once a month. Right. One million cups right. is a One good opportunity for people to. Right. Very good. There's two of them running in Atlanta now. North side and south side. There's three. Okay. And um, and so you know, those are those kind of things. Because you definitely, it's like going on an interview. If you don't practice for an interview and you blow it, you, are you sure. going to get the job? Oh, let me do a do over. No, you don't get that job. Right. Next. But, mm -hmm. but my point is, you know, you, Karen, being an expert, and this is, this is what you do is you help these companies or these individuals with a business opportunity figure out how to talk to that audience. Because there's all kinds of places I can go to to get feedback on my business plan or to help me with my business plan. But the audience, you know, if I'm taking that business plan to a bank, it's a different presentation right. than if I'm taking that to an angel investment investment group. You know, the bank is interested in fundamentals. They're interested in the three-legged stool that we learned about. You know, they're interested in credit, collateral, right? They're they're interested in things that make that that are fundamental to a loan. You're not selling them on the vision. They they could care less if you're going to turn a, a half million dollar into a 50 million dollar company. They want to know that you're going to pay them back. That's all they care about, right? So it's different. So my point in saying this is there's there are people like you that exist that can help me figure out how do I tell that story? How do I take business plan and all these other things and package it in a way that that audience 
wants to hear. Right. And every time you, so you have to know who your audience is. It's just like, okay, so I have this um, concept, I call it the Cougaran theory of private equity. The Cougar, okay, first of all, you have to explain what Cougaran is. Now, wait a second. There's two, there's two reasons here behind this. One, you're, you know, a woman and you start out with the word cougar. (laughs) (laughs) And then your last, I got it now. And then your last name is Rans. So Cougar Rands, but you're talking- My husband's older than me, just for the record. Okay. But <laughs> you're actually talking about there is a uh, there is a currency out there- And you probably never a, let him forget that, do you? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Like, but there's a currency called a Cougar Rand. So- Kruger. Okay. So my, my company name Kruger. is spelled K-U-G-U-R-A-N-D, right? And um, and the Krugeron, which is the African coin, is- K-R-U-G-E-R-O-N, I think. I'm not sure. Go back and, and watch Lethal Weapon. You'll yeah, exactly. It. I've had a lot of Line Creek. I'm one. having a hard time with all these letters. Yeah, did you, so. Did you guys already talk about? No, we haven't. Let's talk about this IPA. Really it's good. This is a double IPA. Mm-hmm. Which right. is interesting. I usually rarely like double IPAs, and I like this. And this is. Uh, Total this, consciousness. This is kind of a big deal. This is probably my favorite beer from Line Creek. Yeah, this is really, really good. This is their new the double IPA series. It's in the whole total consciousness. It is. So the, well, they have a series. Total consciousness is the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In this particular in the, one. In the whole, in the total consciousness series. Because these are high gravity. Is that why they call it total consciousness? Double IPA. It's kind of a yeah. session. It's 7.8%. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy drinker. And it's yeah. a 16 ounce These days, anything under 10 is a session. <laughs> yeah. you know, well, so it's whatever. not bitter. It's mellow compared it to. It really is. is. Yeah. So good. Oh, my gosh. It's fabulous. Drive to the brewery and get some of this stuff. You see tropical, hazy, and soft. Hey, you know the other cool thing about this? This beer is this is Line Creek's first uh, 16 ounce package. Today. I was noticing that. I was yeah. wondering. I didn't think I'd seen 16 ounces. Everything before, from them so. has been 12 ounces. This is the first 16 ounce. 7.8 and so. a 16 ounce can. It's delicious, folks. When it, comes, <laughs> when it comes to this, uh, bigger is better. Yeah, bigger is better. Stay All right. So, so back to the Cougarans. Okay. So the theory, of pri- the the theory of private equity. Yes. All right. So. For every person that you have to write, so it's it's basically the theory behind sales, your sales funnel, right? You have mm-hmm. a, everybody, every entrepreneur understands a sales funnel, or else sure. they should not be an entrepreneur, right? And that's how do you get people into your funnel that you ultimately convert into customers? Yep. Well, it's the same theory behind that. It's called the capital funnel, funnel but I call it the Cougarant private equity, theory of private equity, because I didn't think Karen Rand's theory of private equity would mean, it would sound as important as Cougarand. So, you know, I just, you know. <laughs> I like it. I was like, I got to go with this. And so the idea is that for every check writer that you get to stroke a check, you'll have three sweethearts. So these are the people you spend time with, you court them, trying to get them to put money in your company. But to get to three sweethearts, it's an order of 5X over that. So 15 people have to have seen it or thought about your deal to go to the table to start talking about your deal. Okay. Gotcha. Right. No matter how good the idea is. Well, so the idea is starting with your capital funnel, Mm -hmm. right? Because you have to have a strategy that says, I'm going to, how much am I raising? I'm raising a million dollars in $25,000 increments because that's the average amount for that type of investor. Mm -hmm. That means I have to have 40 check writers. That means I have to have a plan. I'm going to be spending time with 120 people. To get to my 40, gotcha. and that means I have to have a plan to get in front of 600 in order to raise my million dollars. Wow, that's a lot of work. That's a lot that of hustle a lot. for a million exactly. bucks. Exactly. That was a lot of numbers. 
No, but it's it's now starting to connect in my thick gray matter that that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I'm just thinking Krugerrand means solid gold. I am, I am solid gold. Now we should have uh, some music. Like I could yes. do the solid gold dancing thing. I am yeah. dancing in my chair just for those that aren't aren't watching. Yes. <laughs> that, that's a big commitment. Like I didn't realize the numbers that went into. And I also didn't, I, I guess, just not knowing it, being ignorant on the topic. I didn't realize that your average investment from – a uh, an angel investor was twenty five grand. So yeah. So when you go to an angel group, your goal is to get two hundred grand out of them, right? Yeah. So you want to? I see. And see, see, and then you can, and then you syndicate because once you get your, the hardest money is the very first money in, and then once you get that first money in, <laughs> then they believe that you can get to the rest of the money, and other people will follow on, and then you have strategic venture funds that will invest and finish it out or these angel funds that I talk about that they'll corporate funds, they'll finish out around when you've already got your first money in, but they, you have to know that you can get your first money in. Right. And so, yeah. Right. That that makes sense. And I, and now it's starting to connect because when you first said it, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so for an individual to go out and talk to 600 angel investors, that's incredible, but that may only be presenting to six or eight different angel network. Right. If you got a good pitch, if you got the strategy that says you're going to do 50 million in five years as an example, right? Right. So you got all, you got to have your, your act together when you go out and do this Yeah. so that you can get that number. If you don't have your act together, then you're going to talk to 800 people or you're going to present, right? And so the beauty of a, of a angel group and like with mine, I would have five different kinds of companies that would pitch. In Mm -hmm. my case, they, they, they had to go through a rigorous preparation process unless they'd already raised a hundred grand from another angel group. And then they could just fast path, path so, in. Right. And yeah. so the, the beauty of it was, is that if I, like, I'll give an example of a movie cause b- movies are big in, in Georgia. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, this was before the, what was the vampire series that was so hugely popular off the oh, books? Oh, what was that? Lord. John, you know what? The what was the vampire series? Vampire. Watched it. Teenage vampire movie. He's gonna yeah. he's gonna feign. You know, with the werewolf right and the I know what you're talking vampire. about. And I what could, Hotel Transylvania. Twilight. Twilight, <laughs> Hotel Twilight was Transylvania. one of them. Yeah. No, Twilight's the one I was thinking. Okay, about. okay. So movie. this is before Hotel Transylvania. John, <laughs> John John actually knows that it was Twilight. He's probably read no. The I've never book no. Series. Absolutely not. I will, I've uh, not seen yeah. it. I have not seen Transylvania that six five thousand. What are you doing in the garage? Yet? Nothing. I'm working on the working on the truck. I can't believe that. Yeah. I'm doing drugs. No, you're not, Dad. You're reading Twilight. Oh, no. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. So this this movie was called Kiss of the Sun, right? It never got made, just for the record. Mm. Um, So it was Kiss of the Sun was this movie. I was like – Vampire movie? This was before vampires were a thing. And I was like, I don't know. It's single person. Who am I going to call? What investor am I going to call and say, oh, hey, you want to invest in a vampire movie? They would like go, what? They hang up on me. They would never have invested in that kind of a deal. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, but, and so it came across my desk like three times. And each time it got better. They had a person. It was actually um, the guy that was the financial advisor and business manager for- for, um, E.F. Hutton. No, no. Um, uh, Ron, uh, the potato, uh, potato, Ron southern, Allen? no, the, the southern no, comedian. Allen. 
What's oh, oh, Ron White. Yes. Yes, Ron White. Right? Ooh. And I guess they knew that people knew him and he'd come to him. So he Tater was- Tater salad. Tater salad. That's the one. Yep. yep. And so, you know, when when this guy got involved, it was really professional. The pitch book was professional. They invited me to this, This it was being done at this editor thing over in, uh, off of the, in the, what's now called the Fourth Ward. And- um. And I went to it to see what their pitch was like. I, I needed a, I had a slot, right, in my thing to make, because part of doing a pitch event is that you want to make it entertaining so your investors show up and you want to have some diversity. In my mm-hmm. case, I wanted diversity. So this guy was a great, you guys do a good job, come and present. So sure enough, a guy that had 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 um, had done the satellite system for, had invented one of the first satellites or had been part of the engineering and it had, and it got public. He had a bunch of money and his financial planner guy, wealth manager, who was one of the founders of NBA and I both came in on it for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the reason why they did it, and neither one of them, both were like, neither one of them would I've ever thought that they would invest in a vampire movie. And the reason why was because of the marketing strategy, the pitch deck that these guys did, the story that they told, how they were going to go, how they were, they, and they had their next round lined up. They, they, the guy that had, um, was the producer of Wired Magazine was going to put 5 million in if they got to this 500,000, whatever that they were raising as part of this. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. And so they, and they wanted to, um, um, and their distribution strategy. And what they were doing, they were going to be filming in Transylvania, right? And they had uh, their actress was a lady, I think it was on Dawson Creek or something like that. So it was right the right demographic of the people that would know her. Kate Hudson. And, and this is, okay, going back in a day, right? There was no much of an internet. What we had was Yahoo chat boards. <laughs> if you remember that. Wow. I do. Okay. And so she was going to be on there chatting about her metamorphosis into a vampire because she was going to sleep all day and stay up all night and darken her windows. And what was it like? And do little video things and chat with people and start to create this following, go to Dragon Con and Comic Con. And they were going to do all this stuff prior to... The launch, so they would have oh, this momentum. Like this viral thing going. They before would, viral was a thing, right? Wow. Exactly, mm-hmm. and they were going to be, in, and so they had this whole thing, this <clears throat> great strategy, right? And what was the kicker for these investors to do it? And the reason why the guy, the the super rich guy, did it, but the reason why the he did it was because his wealth manager said, "I'm going to do this." And the reason why he did it was because he knew these chat boards, and he knew his sons. He had two twin sons <laughs> that were 15 years old, and they were. They knew about Saw and they knew about Cabin Fever before those movies ever came out. Oh, through no kidding. Chat boards. Chat boards. I had they no idea. It. They leak it. Wow. I knew about them when they came out. <laughs> wow. I guess oh, I'm yeah. old. Yeah. What, what year was this? Jeez, no, I'm a totally, so this I was was, totally out of the loop. Yes, yeah. was so this was back so you know, and they said we want a piece of the downstream merchandise business. And oh. so when they agreed, when the company agreed to give these two investors, they came in and they you know, and they they were there, except their original investor had to pull his money out because it was sitting in escrow. And then they were so burned out on trying to raise the capital that mm-hmm. they said next. And so they gave all the money back when they never actually produced the movie. But that was what showed me that you could never – you get up in front and you tell a story in front of an audience of investors. You don't know who the three people are going to be because just because right. you think yeah, yeah. they're going to all do software, but it may be something that's going on in their personal life that they go, I get that. I see the opportunity there. I want in. 
Yeah. And, that, and I think this is a, a good place to really kind of transition where I want our listeners to be after hearing this discussion. And that is most of the activity is tech for obvious reasons, I think, really. But regardless of what your idea or your business is, if you really believe that there's a path to big business, you know, 50, 100, a billion dollars, whatever it is, if you can figure out how to tell that story and do it properly, there's money out there for yes, you. Yes, absolutely. Like people are going to say, 100%. yes, I'm in. Not every investment or angel investment group is always focused on tech. There are other ones that look at other ideas. As you said, you have the women's group who can see outside that box of tech, even though tech is the, yeah. like Jake is saying. Yeah. Right? So it's, a hot, it's a hot one. But it's a hot one, but there are other things that it, it mm-hmm. just because one group says no, but if I had, we've, we've talked, we've joked on the show many times about, you know, having a plumbing company. But if I came to a, a network of investors and said, I have an idea to take a plumbing company from where I'm at today to a household name across all 50 states. And here's how I'm going to do it. And That's it's a, a slick, shitty idea. It's a really <laughs> shitty idea. But if I had my stuff together and I could prove that I could go to what? a billion dollar business, you slow you're that. shaking your head no. Yeah, because yeah, a, a, angel investor groups, as defined as angel investor groups, odds are none of them will invest in something like that. So it's a shitty idea. No, it's not a shitty idea. <laughs> it's just now you have to this, and this comes back to the Jobs Act, right? So there's a thing in ha. There's a thing in in every state now. Georgia was one of the first ones to do it before there was the Jobs Act. That was called the interstate exemption, and that means you can raise money as a Georgia company from Georgia investors. Mm-hmm. And so then you just have to, just like a customer strategy, you have to be, who is going to understand my franchise model if it was. Well, let me ask you a question. Let me let me rewind. What if I invented something? If you invented something, changed, then there's IP. Mm-hmm. That changed the, like, I'm not Jake, grinding it's called, it out. It's called Roto-Rooter. It's already been done. It's a nationwide <laughs> company. It's, so, all, it's over. If I Listen, come to you. You're killing my idea here, okay? All right. If, if frankly, I think that's a great idea because it's got, you know, wires and stuff and plumbing and whatever, okay? If I'm the uh, if I'm the, uh, the inventor in uh, Back to the Future and I come to you with the uh, flux capacitor. <laughs> Jeez. But seriously, and going back DeLorean. to my point, are you going to invest? Going back to my point, if I had invented something, right, that, that changed it, and yes. I'm like, man, if if I had the money to operationalize this, I could be across the country, and and this could be a billion dollar business. Just because it's not tech, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to be tech. If you can tell a story like the movie. There's something different. There's something there. And he's, there's angel investment. And he's telling you that, right? And he'd go to 50 million in five years. That's something. Like, well, they have to believe that you can have the sure, ability to do that, right? right? But it's part of it. So the operative word there is invent. Yeah, because right? intellectual so it's, property, right? It's the barrier to entry. So right. we have the barrier. To, and, and one of the reasons why software is the hot thing is because it doesn't have a lot of cost of goods associated with it. Sure. And that's why consumer products are not always the hot thing because there's a lot of, of stuff. 
stuff that has to go in for it getting really big. There's a lot right. of mar- there's a lot of stuff, and it's also there's a a, pro- a cost there on every one you sell. Whereas software, once you develop it, and most of it's so, in the cloud, if, you know, or it's a game or something, right? right? And so they look at that, and they look at the the barrier to entry is one of those elements. And the barrier to entry is if you have a specific, unique intellectual property, that means you just can't throw enough money at it in order for it to be successful, right? So if you got to throw a lot of money at it in order for it to be successful because there's not a big barrier to entry other than money, then in, uh, those groups of angel investors are not interested. But if sure. you are a local company like the Line Creek, for example, that people see a value of having a brewery in this community and the micro brews, and you could go to people, the word of mouth, I mean, literally before two weeks, three weeks before it was launched, it, it launched or they announced it was, it was going to come out like a year later, right? Mm-hmm. I forget how long it was when they first announced it was in the citizen or something. Um, I was sitting around with friends of mine. We were brainstorming on how to start a brewery in Peachtree City because <laughs> we had been to Griffin, to Jailhouse, and we had been to these places. We were like, mm-hmm. okay, we were going to turn the downstairs of so. the bank into the vault, and it was going to be our thing. <laughs> yes. uh, yes. The Bank of America mm-hmm. there. We were there. The gas yeah. station across the street was going to be something else. Oh. I mean, we were like literally brainstorming, having a few beers, and like thinking about how we could get in on the microbrew deal and then Line Creek got announced. Well, right? Have you, have you invested in um what is it, Brew Dog? Is that the one they're doing? That was crowdsource the, the right series. They doing were doing right a reggae plus. It's, it's still their there. second round. Second I did round. I was wondering about that. I was what? What are you looking at? They oh, did they did the first they there that's they did a reggae plus. And there's a whole history of Brew Dog that I'm happy to talk about if you want to talk about how they did they pitch you guys? No 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 because they were doing a reggae plus and that's it. Reggae, reggae is a style of music. <laughs> yeah. Were they doing a Bob Marley what? style? Yeah. yeah. What's a, what are we talking about? What's a reggae? It, it is a regulation A. Yes. It's a series A funding. Nope. No. 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 It's a reggae okay. series funding. You want me to? Yeah. No. I Let's no, ask I know Karen. <laughs> I have no idea. I think we need a toast first. All right. Yes. All right. Karen, please tell us what's reggae other than Bob Marley and <laughs> oh, for self our rolled listeners. cigarettes. That was a great question. Thanks for participating, Mr. Yeah. <laughs> so back before when I keep, I keep referencing the Jobs Act, and we talked about general solicitation. So yep. there's this private solicitation because you had a pre-existing relationship, and then general solicitation. Yes. Right. And and I'll go into greater detail on anything you want, but to get to the answer of a Reg A plus, right? Prior to 2012, anything that was sourced from the crowd, crowdfunding, as everybody knew it, crowdfunding had been around about 20 years. It was all reward-based or product where you got product sure. for what you did, right? Okay. And it was the things that we take for granted now – like drones, uh, 3D printers. Still my belt buckle that yeah. I crowdsourced. <laughs> okay, all those Stop things. Interrupting. All those things were funded originally with millions of dollars of people that just got product. Yes. And they have no equity in that. Yep. Okay. Fast forward, cl- the economy collapses. We want more money going into startups. That's jumpstart our small business, whatever jobs stands for. And, um, and they, and so they wanted to make it where people not only could entrepreneurs raise money the way that they were doing it under this, these reward base, but they also wanted to give people 
that had lost all their money in real estate in the stock market, an opportunity to ride the wave of these entrepreneurs. Sure. Because before that, it was just those 45 and older white male in these very private groups that you had this funnel you had to go through. So they passed this rule and there was three types of ones that they were going to allow. One of them is reggae plus. And so a reggae plus was, was reggae had been out there forever and it was a way for mostly people only used it for raising money for banks and things like that. But the idea was that you could, and you had to, you had to file in every state, but you could you could test the waters, they called it, sure. for six months ahead of time to figure out who wanted to buy it. And broker dealers all pushed this. So they announced Reggae Plus. So there's two kinds of reggae's. And Reggae Plus is one that you do not have to file with the states. You have to have SEC audited financials. And you have to, and you can general solicit and anybody can invest, accredited or unaccredited. $200 to to. $2 million. It doesn't yep. matter. And you raise up to $50 million in a year under a Reg A plus. All right. Got it. And it's a backdoor into the stock market because if you complete your filing, then you're a public company. But, you know, kind of like pink sheets and reverses, but it's completely I mean, different you go from that. IPO, John. Mr. Winnie, are you here? But Instead of an IPA, <laughs> it's an IPO. Heck? It's an IPO. Okay. If you I'm hit, have to hit 50 million, million you got to do a- 15 times before I actually get everything, <laughs> okay. all so, the information that she just looked at. You know? Brew Dog, back to Brew Dog. Right. So they were a London based company that mm-hmm. wanted to try out. They had raised their money in, 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 or in somewhere in England. They had raised their money in England under crowdfunding because they already had the ready to do that. And they wanted to see how it was going to work here in the United States. They had this strategy where they wanted to put little micro brews, kind of oh. like we have all in all these different cities. And they didn't want to have to raise, do any advertising. And they were going to, because people get like a lifetime First of all, license. they messed up there because we have so many fabulous American microbreweries. Well, they came here to America and they yeah, built, they, because they, they wanted up to learn plank. how to brew really good beer. That must That's be why it. they came here. And so they have this, you know, they, have you they ever have a, had a good English beer. It's not English. I IPA think it's lagers, was invented it's where, Jake? In ah, England. Ah, there you go. With the wet mm-hmm. bacon. The wet bacon. No, that, we're not talking about bacon. The IPA is a gift from the English, Darren. They can't do breakfast, but they at least got this right. And it did at do, one point. Did do it right. <laughs> now we have we have totally Sorry. perfected it and surpassed them. But, well, but they anyways, raised sixteen million dollars or thereabouts the first time around, which was like two or three years ago. Yeah, and they got their their main facility up in outside of Detroit. Is that where they are? It's set up cheap real estate, and they um and they got that all going up there. And they had the average the, like the average investment was two hundred. Yeah. Dollars or something like that. that. Was it? Mm-hmm. And so, but these people, they, every time they would have their beer, they get beer every month or something. I don't know, as part of their dividends. Yeah. And so they would take Instagram pictures with their beer, and great. it was free advertising. That's and great. so, when they wanted to raise thirty million, they didn't raise their full amount. So they waited a year, went and did that. Then they went around raising, and they were opening up in different cities with this next round. So, so they went to reggae instead of did any angel investors? Did you guys even? Were they on your radar at all? Do, do angel invest, investment groups actually say, we'd like your idea. We saw you out there. We'd like you to present and pitch in front of us. Yes. So vice versa. So it's not me coming to an angel investment group. Sometimes you guys say, 
we want you show us why give us the the the, the sizzle yeah so well could see did you guys pass on brew dog oh we we, that was never. It would. They would never. They were never pitching to angel investor groups. Right, but, a different model. But they could. I mean, they so could let me ask, let me ask you a question. Do you have any? Because you know, obviously, the the whole point of this conversation is to help people understand angel investing. Do you have any good success stories from angel investors that you could share with us? Like something that you've been show involved. Show us with? the money. Yeah, show us the money. What was that? There's a bug in here. There. There's a bug in the studio. I know folks. There's a, he's a tiny one. He really he's is. He's flying. He keeps going right in front of my face. I want to punch. I don't know him. who the guy from Launch Go is, but he needs to take care of that <laughs> one bug. There's this thing called pest control. Just saying. So, <laughs> so let me see if I make sure I answer the question that you're asking. Yes. Are you talking about specifically to like my group or in like, general? Is this no, anything you. that you've been involved in? Like, do you have any good success Just stories? Putting money from? in it, that you're rolling in it. I have not any- had a return on any of my investments thus no, far. No, that's not, I don't want to hear that. That's terrible. <laughs> One, I think might happen soon. She oh, rolled up in her Hyundai Elantra, folks. Oh, but, I did get, know, I did done. get a little tiny no. bit of money. No. Like it What's might've a, been like $3 or something from a, even a, a that, golf, it was a golf okay. tool. Either this, that either. For, one success story that you personally invested in, or how about the one that got away? Like you guys are like, I knew it, and this is what they're doing. Well, actually, today. I want to hear about something because let's think about our audience here. I want to hear about a success story, maybe not something necessarily you directly invested in, but in one of your networks or something. Give us an example yeah. of a company that really flourished because they got IBM investment still funds. around today. Well, so there's a company for IBM, and the only reason they're successful is because Karen worked for him. No, that absolutely, a hundred percent. Cheers. <laughs> so there's okay. So one of the companies that is um, like our that NBA and I's you know claim to fame, big investment where they put a lot of money into it, and it, it the thing that has happened is that it it took a whole lot longer for them to get to there. They've pivoted a couple of times, but it's always very promising. And one of the the key things as an as an entrepreneur, when you raise capital is that you must stay in touch with your investors. Sure. At the very least, mm-hmm. every six months, you're giving them some kind of an update. God, so they that don't- even seems too long. Give me three it, months. Give yeah. Me quarter, thinking, I want quarter yeah, order really. updates. One of the, uh, so one of the companies that um, is called Tigo was what it was the name of the company and what they had invented. It was back when I think it's Boeing that was doing the, Dreamliner, Dream, liner, dream yep. some yep. right? Airplane? Triple seven. Yep. Oh, yeah. And they wanted to be able to, <laughs> they wanted to be able to have, in, okay, so RFID chips yep. are typically very small. They yep. just basically wake it up to go to the cloud and get the information from the cloud, right? Yep. And they wanted to have on these, their requirement was to have something that could store instead of a, a business card worth of data, have store a phone book worth of data. So it didn't have to go to the cloud and it was passive. Most RFID tags beacon all the right. time. And so because of the sure. FAA, they needed to ha- be passive and not beacon or else it would, it would never go on a plane. Right. Gotcha. Right. So they in- initially started, I'm talking about airplane stuff. And Uh-oh. so <laughs> he's smiling. <laughs> FAA airplanes. Yes. RFID tags right having to be passive instead of active. Ever heard of the company Tigo? Absolutely, pa- absolutely passive. 
Okay. So Tigo had basically luck of the draw. They figured out how to use semiconductor memory to create these RFID tags so that they could store it and um, got the patents on it for that. So they, they, and so they were like this little tiny company, startup company. And Boeing was like, and so the vendors of Boeing, so they started out doing that. They were like, yes, you have met the requirement because they could show that you could put a phone book worth of data on this tag and it was passive. Sure. So what ended up happening within that supply chain? So we originally thought they were just going to make all these chips, right? And they were going to make all these chips and we we're going to make all this money. Well, it takes a long time to make a lot of chips that are, you know, pennies, right? And so, you know, to make a lot of money, a lot of chips. So the, the, the curve was working. So then they started making software development tools and variations of their chip. So what ended up happening, it was right about the time when we invested in it and which was the clicker was when, remember, I think it was, was it JetBlue or who was the one that got grounded because they had the air, air things that were um, expired and they're, the things that dropped down the air mask. So all the air the in the plane, they got, this is the a masks, while back. The air mask are dropping. And they I found think it was JetBlue. And they I got, and they got grounded for the whole flight got, because it didn't know what the dates were. Yeah, they, they found, grounded the entire flight to their airplanes. Right. Right? I think that was JetBlue. I don't I have to go back it and check. It wasn't, or Air, it wasn't Air Tran. Man, no. it have been Air Tran. It's no longer in business. Could have been Air no, Tran. That, Continental. That's too <laughs> easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we I, don't want to go go back to I, yeah. I do seem to remember something right. about Jeff, JetBlue getting grounded. And this would have solved that problem because what happens is when you're out on a tarmac in wherever an airplane may be and it has to be inspected, you don't have to bring it all the way in, take it out. You could just go out and they could walk in with a scanner, turn these things on, and it would tell them everything is working. Working, or this needs to be fixed. It's, it's all about expiration dates. Yeah. And because it could store, and they wanted to store 18 years worth of maintenance records on these chips. Okay. An RFID chip. Right. Everything. And I'll tell you right now, every piece of, it's basically every piece of emergency equipment, whether it be a, um, a mask, an oxygen mask, a uh, life vest, um, everything that has to do with everything with a battery on it has a tag on it, every oxygen cylinder, fire extinguisher. Mm-hmm. And then all they do is they walk through the cabin. So you know the solution. Well, T goes behind that. Okay. This company, yeah. my angel group put about $2 million about in. I got about twenty grand in it. No, they, they get changed. The they get taken okay. off the airplane every single time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that was, but when were they found out when they were starting to do this? Because when I was with IBM, one of the projects I worked on was trying to figure out how to put some kind of tag, an RFID mm-hmm. tag in a vehicle from the very beginning. But the problem was that none of the things that we had at that time, even when you wrapped it in ceramic, because Ford wanted to be able to go through, drive down the street, and you're passing by a Ford dealership, and it sends you a signal that you need, now it's on the computers on board, that you need to you know, get a maintenance thing done. You need an oil change or whatever. They wanted this tag that would have the history of it in the car. But the problem was with the tags is that they couldn't go through the high heat of the, pay, of the painting process. Sure. So they couldn't start at the very beginning. Well, Tico found out that these tags could. And then they have the gamma rays from when they sterilize medical equipment. And they wanted to be able to, to they, they found out they could withstand the gamma rays. And then they wanted to be able to, like CSX, they got a lot of train tracks they got to maintain. So how do they know what where things need to get fixed or what's the maintenance on that? They could do a drone goes by so you guys and they can do all that stuff. You invested in this company. 
And it's been and it's still it's still there. Are they, they still looking? We for just investors? went from preferred stock stock to common stock, which is the step you have to do in order to get ready to sell the company or go public. Sure. And so, so from our from my perspective, it's all about man hours because when you have a right. when you have an airplane with three hundred life vests that are stored under your seat, yeah, in order to inspect them once a month or something, you got to uh, they're all sealed. You got to open them up, check the date. Put them back in, reseal it. If you can just walk through, yeah. man, that's a huge. Boom, you're done. So somebody came up with with an invention that, you know, could withstand all these different, you know, environmental factors yeah. and solve this really big, you know, I don't want to call it a problem, but it was an opportunity. It was an opportunity to streamline operations. And angel investing made that possible. Right. And, you right. know, that, that's a big one. That's a Huge. really big one. There's probably a bunch of small ones and there's probably even bigger ones than that. But the point is angel investing is a really big opportunity for anybody with an idea to take a, a, a business from an idea or a small operating business to something really big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scale. So. You gotta be and now scale. that's the beauty of it is that you've got any business, I believe – Okay, I believe that any business that's got a solid business foundation or strategy to go to market, create revenue, and and understands they can find the types of investors that will invest in that opportunity for that type of return. Like I mentioned the skincare company. So the kind of thing that she needs to do is to find these companies that will do a what we call revenue finance, rev- royalty financing. Yep. So instead of taking equity in the company, they get a percentage of the revenue until a multiple on their money is paid back. Sure. I'll tell you what, I, I, one of my favorite shows is Shark Tank. And this has given me a completely new perspective on that show. Because that's Mr. Wonderful, the guy, he always wants a royalty. He's like, I want a dollar for every every product, you know, every yeah. whatever, until I get my money back. And then it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. They're angel investors. That's exactly what they are. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. Whole new perspective. So uh, what I want to do, Karen, if if somebody listening right now has a great idea or they've got a business that they believe could scale, what should they do? Like when's the right time to reach out to you or to start researching angel investing as an opportunity? What what does that look like? Um. So I do part of my kind of give back, you know, and um, helping entrepreneurs is that I'll do a, a free initial consultation with them. They fill out a form on my website and they get to um, and I talk to them about what have they done to raise money? Where are they? What kind of money that they might be able to get? And what's their strategy? And I get them kind of set them on the right path. Right. And and recommend source resources that they can go to an incubator that I think is good for them, whatever it may be. And then when they are ready to if they want to hire me to help them, you know, perform affect their pitch, connect up with the angels. Cause I still have relationships with all these different angel groups out there. And a lot on my own podcast, I interview a lot of heads of angel groups on about how they got their angel group going, what they look at, you know, best practices for angels sure. and stuff like that. So, you know, I can help them, but my main focus is the, there's a real gap. So like these angels, we talked about that 10, right? Most angel groups, because they don't, they, they can't pick the one that's going to win. Um, the guy that started the Central Texas Angel Network called it a payroll exit. Mm-hmm. And so about 40% of the companies out there that have raised an angel round are sitting on an organic growth because they missed their VC round. 
for whatever reason, they never got a next round of financing. And so they, there's lots of reasons why, but that's another show. And so they, they basically, they're just sort of sitting there and they call it, he calls it a payroll exit because all they're doing is going to the board saying, can we get a pay raise? Let me ask this a different way though. And I want to, I want to put this in the perspective of the person listening to the show, my business or my opportunity. When do I know it's time to talk to somebody like you? I think they could, I'm happy to talk to them at the very beginning because they also have to, ideas don't get funded from angel groups. So they have to, they have to have enough gumption and belief in what they're doing that they will put their friends and family or their friends and family of their friends and family money into the company to get it cooked, so to speak. Right. So it's got to it's got to get working. It's got to the engine has to start. They have to have a minimal viable product. Okay, so they got to know that it actually functions. It's not an idea. They need to know their market. And if they don't already have customers, some of the groups require one hundred thousand dollars in revenue. Gotcha. So the idea is not good enough. I've got to have a business off the ground and running. It could be small, but it's got to be running before it's time to to reach out to an angel group. Right. And then a lot of these angel groups, when you talked earlier about how do they source deals, they're mentoring and volunteering at these incubators and these accelerators. And so they're looking for the deals that they think have the greatest potential and the entrepreneurs that are most coachable. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, this has been really eye-opening for me because we could probably sit here and talk for days about angel investing, but I think that I've got a really good understanding of what it actually is and when it's the right time to approach. So, Karen, I want to plug you a little bit. So, you've written a book. He's reaching Grab for it. Here off oh, the watch table. out through the beer cans. Hang hey, on, let John. me. John's going to read that. I'll give it back. <laughs> How many <laughs> words? 11,000. 100,000. 100,000 yes. word book. So you've written a book called <laughs> yeah. that, that I'm getting ready to read called Inside Secrets to Angel Investing. We'll uh, we'll post a link to this on our site. So this is going to be. What's on that? I'm pretty stoked about reading this. There is a ton of information in here. If you're not an expert about angel investing after reading this, you weren't paying attention. It's yeah. it's geared towards those people that have never been involved in angel investing and want to figure out should I could I would I kind of a thing. Yeah, that's this is going to be cool. I'm I'm excited to read I'm, this. I'm and also Karen afterwards because I got an idea. You got an idea? Yep. You got to you got to get your ideas, friends and family on board first. Yeah, man. You ideas get don't it. sell. A viable product, Darren. Viable MVP, product. Buddy. I'm only going for twenty five million. That's easy. Well, you I'm better have an MVP. That. So. Um, if somebody does have a business that's running and they feel confident that they're ready to take that step, how could they reach out to you? How could they they find you? Easiest way is through my website, which is karenrands.co. So it's just my name with a .co, not an M, just .co. We'll link to it in the show notes. So if you're listening, just go to whatever podcast app you're listening to. You'll see a link to it, karenrands.co. She also does a podcast too, don't you? It's called the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast Radio. Mm-hmm. And that's because, so my compassion, my, I'm on a mission. Mm-hmm. My mission is for people to strive to invest in entrepreneurs and figure out how to do that at whatever capacity they can, the same way they strive to invest in real estate or the stock market. Interesting. That they added as an asset class to their wealth creation strategy. And they, cause mm-hmm. you can play at any level now you can invest in the, guy down the street that's got one restaurant and wants to go to five or the next big thing like an RFID chip that's passive. And so there's there's all kinds of ways to play. You just have to figure out how to play. And Very so cool. Compassionate Capital, I started back in, I've been doing my podcast for a long time. 
And you do public and speaking as well. I do. And it's the, uh, the so the compassionate capitalist thing got renamed to get people to, to take them when the last recession, when they take their money off of the, off the sidelines and put it back into creating jobs, bringing innovation to the market and creating wealth so, for all those involved. Very cool. And speaking, I, yeah, we're, you know, yeah. we're doing this thing locally here coming up that I guess is going to now be virtual, but. Yes. Damn social. Well, I also, yes. I, I got to give you kudos for your pop socket that you have there. Oh. <laughs> it's a little martini glass pop socket on yeah. the yeah, that's, <laughs> Yes, that's nice. It's a sticker on top of somebody else's. Thing. I hope um, if uh, pop socket actually pitched in front of your angel investment group that you guys got on board I with think that. they... Probably did theirs through regular reward crowdfunding. Oh, okay. Never mind. Everybody got a pop socket. You anyway. get a pop socket for your $50. Well, listen, we really appreciate you coming on. This has been really enlightening. Such a complicated, complex topic that I think that it's you've made it simple. I mean, there's a lot to it. Great. But I, I understand it better. And I know if I understand it, you, the listener, understand it because you're smarter than me. Everybody. Just saying. <laughs> sure. Not you, Mr. Winnie, the listeners. Oh, yes. oh okay, good. Does that make sense no, now? No, but Mr. Winnie uh, got it when I talked about Tigo. Who knew, man? <laughs> yeah. His investors well, made that happen. Because I only have hands-on experience, that's all. Don't but, make him feel smart. That makes no, me sick no, in my no, belly, no. okay? Another woman who boosted his ego no, before he's going to walk out of here. Yes. <laughs> God dang it, man. So <laughs> we gotta, Thanks, we Karen. Gotta I really appreciate it. a lot better before <laughs> I'm going to make him sign an agreement. You must put Mr. Winnie down. No uh, nice yeah, comments right. about him. They <laughs> never hear the freaking end of them. Anyway. So, yes. <clears throat> well, this has been really cool. If you guys know anybody that you think could be good on the show we'd love to hear from them just go to the website www.beer.business there's a link there called be on the show it's and super easy yeah just click it fill out a form how long does it take mr winnie uh it's not long at all right thank you like, very much it's like 30 to 60 seconds it's okay a, great yeah it's yeah, just it's, a couple of things you fill out it's, it's super easy do it and we want to hear from you. Send us an email, podcast at beer.business. Send us any questions about business or investing. Um, we try to take the time to answer all your questions. We've got a couple of episodes of what we call questionable answers coming up because good, we good. answer our, our listeners' questions the only way we know how, Karen, which is questionably. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why we call it questionable answers. Good. All yes. our attorneys have told us that we shouldn't answer them any other way. Well, that's why I, we don't listen to the attorneys much. <laughs> and folks, we want you to patronize our sponsors here. Please. Yes. Line Creek Brewing. We are going through a difficult time right now with this whole coronavirus thing. But the tap room is closed at Line Creek Brewing, but you are able curbside pickup. They're open from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. Go pick yourself up a few six packs or whatever you need. Pick up some merchandise, some swag, you know, some Lion Creek swag. Just do it. It's it's a freaking awesome place. It is. And if if you're not close to Peachtree City, but you're in the Atlanta area, just go to your local bottle shop or grocery store. Kroger carries it. Yeah. And, and if you yeah. walk in your store and you don't see Lion Creek... I want you to drive your car through the front of the building. No, no, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, Ask the manager. No, no, no. You don't do that. You drive your car through the front of the freaking building, bricks falling down, all that stuff. And when people start freaking out, say, hey, I'm going to back this thing up as soon as you guys get Line Creek in here. Or you could email Darren and say, Darren, get me a six pack and a T-shirt 
And he'll drive it to your house. So there we shouldn't go. drive through the front of a store? <laughs> no, 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 no. Never mind, no. folks. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we give really bad advice sometimes. Should, that was no, all you, you, buddy. You. you. No, we. You have, There's you, no we? You have you. violent tendencies when it comes to <laughs> package stores. I that want people to love our sponsors, life. okay? That yeah. was, uh, so. what do you call it, sarcasm, just for the legal reference. So that was not Frankly, for I thought it was the perfect comment. Okay, okay. perfect. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> and listen, guys, we're coming to you live from the official headquarters of Beer and Business Podcast, Launching Go Workspace. Uh, Karen, first time in the studio. How, how's it been? It's... First of all, that's disinfectantized or whatever you call yes. that. You know, sanitized, sanitized, sterilized. sterilized. This is a coronavirus-free environment yes, here. Although we do have a uh, Corona beer seltzer. Uh, no, <laughs> that, which is I don't still know how that got in here. Yeah, <laughs> not opened. But if you drink enough alcohol, you self-sanitize because yes, I've yeah. heard that. Yeah, I've been a- drinking my my Line Creek antibiotics for weeks now, so I've been totally <laughs> healthy. Right. But we want to remind you guys. We know that the world is crazy right now, but we've got a great podcast studio that gets cleaned after every podcast. Um, Using if you ozone machine in here now, oh, an ozone machine. Do you really? Yeah, because yep. I don't it's even know what that out. is. It sounds clean. It kills everything. Oh, there you go. You even can... people. That's why that guy's laying out there. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I actually looked. <laughs> and it actually does. If it sucks all the oxygen out of oh, the air, so it's uh, oh, nice. That's why, yeah, that's why I've been able to breathe. <laughs> I, uh, I'm saying. Yeah. You can't be too careful. So listen, if you if you record a podcast, you've been thinking about starting one, you need to come to Launch and Go Workspace. Don't do it in your basement. That's, you're just going to do bad podcasts. You got to do it in a professional studio. Yeah, right. they have so soundboards up here for everything. It's good yeah, sound. It's, it's really yeah. good. So go to launchandgoworkspace.com and you could record your podcast here where Mr. Winnie sits, which is... I mean, that's pretty It's awesome. a very special place. It is a special place. We and it's also sure. a very weird... Yeah, but wet it's place. It's well protected, just oh. like our website. Yes. <laughs> just like our website. Our who, website is protected. Uh, it is. It's protected by Overwatch technology. So, so oh, we, nice segue. Yeah. It's coronavirus free. Yes, there it is. There you go. So and it's Putin virus free. <laughs> frankly, yep. nobody wants the Putin. Is it okay? He's yep. a he's a jerk. I don't like him at all. Okay, frankly, he, he does make. Great breadsticks now that he's got the recipe. <laughs> but, um, if, uh, Garden at you Eastern. know, since Overwatch protects the uh, beer and business website, they also um, can help you as a residential customer you or commercial that, customers. Get, I'm just get, working on it. He's lining up, folks. building up. Yeah, my primers started early today. Yes, <laughs> Anyway, so with Overwatch, uh, we always talk about Overwatch and being able to They've got great software to protect your computers, but they also have great tech support on yes. top of that. So they will provide you with 24-7 tech support for any problems you have. And that's included in any of the software that you purchase from them. And I think they also gave us a tip today, didn't they? They did. So, Mr. Winnie, have you ever heard of something called conversational hijacking? No, of course you haven't because it's a nerd term. He just okay? did it right there. Yeah, that's only only when I talk to answer. you. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a compliment. Uh So conversational hijacking. So as I was saying. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Allow myself to interrupt you, ass. Okay. (laughs) Frankly, here's what happens. So hackers will get into your email and they will watch the emails that come in and out. 
and they they see like your boss emailing you or other coworkers. And then what they do is they send a ghost email and it says the from is the same name as your yeah. boss or that person you work with. But the email address is different. Yes. But you don't catch it because it looks like an email your boss is sending. So it says your boss's name and then it says need to get that report over to Carol. And then the email says something like, hey, we talked about getting that report over to Carol. Can you please get that over here? Click this link and I'll blah, 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 blah. And it looks like oh that's my boss we've been talking about that you click the link and bang and then you're there's junk on your computer because they sit there and they watch and and when that happens that conversational hijack happens you don't take that extra step to look and see wait a minute that email address is different because you just I see do. the from name. I no, do because I hate to reply to my boss. You don't boss. even look at your email. <laughs> he doesn't want no, to reply. Anytime my boss emails me, it's it's really suspect. I'm like, oh, <laughs> man, I better check this out. But I've actually seen this happen before. It's really sneaky because, you know, when you send an email, it says who it's from. So you see the name and then sometimes depending on your email client, you have to like click on it to see the address it's from or right. something. Yeah. It's really, these guys are good, man. My, so you got to watch out. So my husband write. had one come from a friend and he went like, he hovered over the email address and it was somebody else's email address. Mm-hmm. And it was like, message them, call them, tell them to change their password from a different computer that they normally log into. So I'm going to yeah. tell you guys, this sounds scary and it should be because these hackers are good. Um, Automation using AI can actually stop this, and Overwatch can actually do this for uh, yeah. you. Yeah, there's there are tools out there that you can implement on your computer system or your network that look at the type of activity that leads to this conversational hijack and stops it before it ever happens. So listen, don't try to stop this stuff yourself. Just go to right. Overwatch.technology. They're the smart ones, Mister Winnie. We're not. Every business should have it. Every business should have something like that because it's just a matter of time. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You're going to get a dumb employee who's going to click on it. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And you're going to... Or you could get a smart employee click on it because they're really good at it, Mr. Winnie. They really are. We don't want to... It happens. Yeah. Not everybody like Darren and you're going to find out. Oh, well, I mean, Darren's going to click on it because it's Darren. on everything. (laughs) Or a busy person that's just trying to do what their boss asked them to do. Ooh, look at this. It's shiny. Click. (laughs) (laughs) But it said Putin, you dipshit. Squirrel. (laughs) There we go. It said from President Putin and you still clicked on it. But it looks good. Yeah, go to WW www.overwatch.technology. Yes. And, and don't mess around with this just stuff. Just ask them to help you out. That's dot the best technology? Thing you yes. yes. It's yeah. not one of those like cool, lame huh? websites with dot the dot com. net or something. Yeah. It's, it's so old. Yeah. It's, it's dot. Wow. Sorry, Darren. Overwatch.technology. Wow. Yes. So pretty cool. Huh? Do we have some words of wisdom today? Yes, we do. So, guys, I want to take you back to a period of time 2007, 2008. Anybody remember what that was like? It was yes. a booming time and then it was a busting time. Right. Kind of feels like today, actually. There was a <laughs> crash in the stock market. Real estate prices went down. Stay in place. Talking to Karen. It happened. Here's the thing to understand about investors. If you really want to understand the mindset of an investor, they want you to sell them on the future. They want you to sell them on the vision. And they're looking for certain things. So I just want to take you guys back to 2007 and... Do you remember a company called Netflix? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's Net- small, that's a little startup. So Netflix was not a startup in 2007. Netflix mm-hmm. had been operating for quite a while. Netflix business was getting decimated because 
their business model was changing. Nobody wanted DVDs anymore. Right, right, right. And so they started to think about, well, maybe the future's in streaming. Maybe we shut down the DVD business altogether and move to the streaming model. Everybody was kind of like, what the hell is going on? Their stock was trading at $3. Hmm. $3, guys. That's not a lot of money because you know what their stock is trading at today? Mm, crickets. No. 360 <laughs> bucks. Wow. If yeah. somebody would have sold you on the vision of where Netflix was going back then in 2007 and said, would you give me $5,000? Sure. Because I think this business is going somewhere and you gave them $5,000. It'd be worth 600 grand today. Yeah. Yep. 5,000, well, 600,000. Those are what we call nice market idea. makers where they shift to market, right? Yes. So to think about who went out of business, we don't have blockbusters anymore because yes. of Netflix. We don't even really have Redbox that much anymore because of Netflix. They right? understood the future. And for the people that they sold that vision on, they're extremely wealthy. They mm -hmm. made tons of money. And that's the key here when it comes to investing different than a bank. You want somebody to understand where you're going. Take that half million dollar company to a billion dollars. How are we going to get there? And it happens. It may, it's that one out of 10 for all, every check that's cut, as, mm -hmm. as Karen said. But you got to sell people on the vision and it happens. So, folks, if you didn't invest in Netflix in 2007, I'm sorry. You missed out. <laughs> there are other opportunities. I will tell you, I did not, yep. which is why I'm podcasting. If not I would have, I. I'd be sitting on an island somewhere. Yep. <laughs> well, Karen, thanks for coming in. This has been a lot of fun. Um, this has it. really helped me understand angel investing a lot more. I hope you guys get it. This is part two of a series called Show Me the Money. We're going to do some more episodes talking about other ways that you can find investment and funding for your business. I think Mr. Winnie is actually going to read Karen's book. Yeah, well, maybe. Inside Secrets to Angel Investing. There's pictures in it. There's pictures in it. I That's just looked on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. You can. It's only 20 bucks. There you go. Comes with a resource portal of documents and a checklist, a, a spreadsheet to figure out. I'm going to need a spreadsheet to figure out this book because there is a lot of information. There's a lot of information there, but you know, you need to understand the the people you're up against. Karen, thanks That's for coming awesome. on. Absolutely. This has been awesome. Guys, I, I hope you it. guys enjoy it. Uh, we are not slowing down with this quarantine. We are leaning in, giving you guys more and more content because, listen, if you're going to be quarantined, you might as well just binge listen beer in business. And That's drink some do. Line Creek beer. Absolutely. Folks, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. See you.